This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. What is your next mission from God? We all have one. Welcome to Your Next Mission from God with Julie Anderko, where the saints show us how it's done. And sometimes they even got it wrong before they got it right. Julie tells their stories to help you find hope, inspiration, and direction to show how the saints discovered and accomplished God's mission for their lives. The Blessed Virgin Mary is a warrior queen. We know this from scripture, especially Revelation 12, but there are women who have prefigured her and her role in salvation history from the Old Testament. And one of those women was Judith. Now, Judith is uh, it's a book in the Old Testament if you have a Catholic Bible. If you don't have a Catholic Bible, it won't be there. Uh, there's a show note with a very brief explanation as to, as to why the Protestant Old Testament has seven less books than the Catholic Old Testament. But even if you don't have those, you can get it easily online. And if you don't believe it belongs in the canon of scripture, that's okay. It's good Jewish literature written to edify and, and build up the people against their enemies and to be fearless because she is quite a heroine and it is an amazing story. So the story of Judith takes place after the Babylonian exile. So uh, Judah has um, no longer in exile and the second temple has been built and people are being restored. So it's during this time, but there's an enemy, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, who is, who is advancing his armies and conquering all the neighboring nations. And he's coming up on Bethulia, which is a, a Jewish town to take it. And then all the other Jewish cities and towns. And so, his commander is a guy named Halfernus, and the story goes like this. So Halfernus calls his advisors together, and you know, how do we take Basilia the best we can, etc., etc. What's our strategy? And they decide to thirst them out. They cut off their water supply, and the city is walled, so they go around the city, and they just encamp around the city, and they're just waiting for them to to become, you know, uh, uh, thirsty and, and then take them very easily. So they're waiting for the cisterns to be used up and dried out. And they've been there a month or so. There is an Ammonite and he is one of, he had been one of the advisors of Halfernus. And one of the advices that he gave him was that if the people are right with their God, you can't defeat them. And he lists a history of how they have overcome their enemies when the odds were stacked against them because they were right with their God. But if they're sinning and they're not right with their God, you can easily take them over. So his advice to Halfernus was, 
see about that first before you advance because if they are right with their god you will not be able to defeat them well Halfernus gets you know he's very upset about this and he's very braggadocious and he says is there any other god but nebuchadnezzar the the hills are going to flow with their blood their corpses are going to be in the valley we're going to annihilate them and he's you know insulting god by saying these things and they kick Achior is his name. They kick Achior out. He's an Ammonite. And so he gets refuge in Bethulia and he tells the people what, what is going on and what's happening. So he, he's, he's there and they know him. So he, he plays a part a little later in the story. Now, if you were in Bethulia, that would really uh, be a difficult psychological thing to endure. Think about it. Your entire city is surrounded by an army that's just waiting to thirst you out and take take over. And so the people are scared, of course, you know, and so there's a there's the there's a priest, a high priest, and there's city leaders, and the people are asking them, please surrender, surrender, don't let them attack, don't wait till they attack. Let's surrender so we can live, we can be slaves and live. If we don't surrender, we'll be annihilated. So that's what the people are asking the chief priest to do and the, and the, and the city leaders to, to do. And the, the priest just begs them, let's pray and fast. Everyone's praying and fasting. They have been five more days and then we'll, then we'll surrender. Let's, let's go five more days of prayer and fasting. We'll surrender. So that's what they're doing. And that's when Judith comes on the scene. And we, we hear about Judith for one She's a widow and she's wealthy and she's beautiful and she's wise, well thought of. No one had a bad word to say about her and she's very prayerful. She has a lot of confidence in God and in the history of God's people. And she's like, no, we need to fight them because we're going to be victorious. God is on our side and that way we will embolden and strengthen the rest of our brethren who are next to be conquered under Halfernus will show them and that they can defeat this enemy of God. And but the people are not convinced because truly if you size it up it's looking pretty bleak. So five more days until they're gonna surrender and Judas says okay I'm coming up with a plan and I'm not gonna share it with you but wait till I return, I will return, and I will bring your enemy into your hands when I return within these five days. So she comes up with a plan. She'd been mourning over her husband and never quit mourning. I mean, she went past the mourning period, but she never put on nice clothes or she just was going to live as a widow and, and penitent and praying for the people and that sort of thing. But she changes now because she's got a mission the Lord has put on her heart. She dresses in finery. She puts bracelets on her ankles. She, she's beautiful. So she does everything she needs to do with her hair, enhancing her beauty. She takes her maid and a basket of food because she is Jewish and she must uh, keep kosher and, and not eat with anybody else. They got to have their own food. So she goes out of the city. They let her out of the gate and she's captured. And she tells the guards that she understands what Achior the Amorite had said 
and she knew a way to make the people sin and not be in good relationship with God so that he could take them, so that Hallfurness could have success. So she plays up on this, making them believe, as the Jewish people should believe, that no one can conquer them if God is with them. But there is this way to, to trip up the people so that they're not in God's favor. She's going to share this with him, but she doesn't. She beguiles him. He's, she's brought into his presence and she's beautiful. And they strike up kind of a friendship and they're um, spending some time together, eating a meal together, but she only eats what she brought, right? Well, on the fourth day, he decides to throw a banquet and have her come and everybody come and really celebrate on this fourth day that she has been in his custody. The idea is that when the banquet is over, the servants are supposed to leave him alone with her and he's planning to seduce her. Like it's been long enough, Judith, I'm going to throw this banquet. I'm going to get you filled up with some of the best wine around and I'm going to seduce you is the plan. So he tells the guards, leave us alone. Don't bother us. When the party's over, Judith is staying with me in my bedchamber. So she's with him in the bedchamber and they're reclined and she's encouraging him to drink and getting him to brag. And, and it's interesting because this is what the Bible tells us about that evening. Just, just a little snippet here that you'll find interesting. And I encourage you to read the whole book. There are so many details. Couldn't possibly tell you. This is like the best novel in the world that you could read. The most exciting. And Halfurness was greatly pleased with her and drank a great quantity of wine, more than he had ever drunk in any one day since he was born. So basically, she drinks him under the table and he passes out on the bed. So he didn't have a chance to seduce her, to do anything. He is passed out. The enemy is there in front of her. The guards aren't coming anytime soon because they've been told stay away, all his servants. And there she is. And this is what happens. She went to the post at the end of the bed above Halfurnace's head. And she took down his sword that hung there. And she came close to his bed and took hold of his hair, took hold of the hair of his head and said, Give me strength this day, O Lord God of Israel. And she struck his neck twice with all her might. After a moment, she went out and gave Halfurnace's head to her maid, who placed it in, in the food bag. Then the two of them went out together as they were accustomed to go for prayer. And they passed through the camp and circled around the valley and went up the mountain of Bethulia and came to its gates. So that's so interesting because in these four days that she was staying there, uh, the guards, she had, she had been given permission to go out and pray in the evening, in the nighttime. She just told them this was something she did. She was Jewish. And they always, she and her maid went and they always took the basket. So seeing her and her maid go out at night with the basket and everybody had a big party that night. They'd all drink so much. They were probably sleeping it off. <laughs> you know, that was normal to see her do that. But then she actually escapes and goes to the, to the city gate of Bethulia. And when she goes in, uh, the Ammonite, Achior, 
identifies the head. Yeah, that's Holofernes. And this is a funny thing. At that moment, as soon as he identifies the head, he realizes everything about the God of Israel is true because that's an impossibility that Holofernes's head would be brought to the to Bethulia that the commander is dead by the hands of a woman. And so immediately right then he converts and he's circumcised on the spot. He doesn't want to take a chance of being on the wrong side of this battle that's coming in a moment. So, so of course, um, uh, the Israeli troops win. Read all of Judith. It's an exciting story. There's so many details. Oh, I've just barely skimmed the surface. But there, there is. Now, there's another thing I want to say about this that I think is probably one of the most important points. So this is what we do. We do like what Judith did, what Mary did, what Jesus did. We turn the devil's weapons against him. You notice that Holofernes had a sword to kill God's people. Judith uses the sword to kill him. All right. Uh, Satan thinks that he's triumphant by making Jesus suffer and killing him. But Jesus uses death against Satan and breaks death open from the inside and, and rescues us. It's a weapon that the devil was using that Jesus used against him. In that, you remember St. Paul saying, I make up for the sufferings lacking in Christ. Let me tell you, we really don't make up for the sufferings lacking in Christ. Nobody can. His sufferings are sufficient. <laughs> But because he decides that he wants us in that with him, just like he decided he wanted Mary with him on it, our suffering too, like Christ, can be redemptive. So in this fallen world, and we live in the fallen world until it's all restored, there's going to be suffering. There's going to be pain, a lot of things. We can take that, join it to the cross of Jesus Christ, and now it, it's redemptive with him because of him. So we take something that Satan means to discourage us, to make us feel like God doesn't love us, that we don't have a place in his, his plan, that we're not beloved sons and daughters of, of God, uh, just for discouragement too, you know, pain, it's hard. Chronic pain is, is wearing. Emotional pain is, is, there's so much of it in our culture nowadays. So we take this pain and we give it to Jesus. And we ask him to, to, to take it on the cross with him. And now it has power. It's redemptive. And it turns on Satan. What he means for our downfall actually helps us. And it helps everybody else. Mother Mary, pray for us. You've been listening to Your Next Mission from God with author and speaker, Julie Durko. For more about Julie, visit her website at catholicfinishstrong.com and follow her YouTube channel, Catholic Saints on Mission. You can find previous episodes of Your Next Mission from God on the free Hail Mary Media app or your favorite podcast platform. Your Next Mission from God is produced at the studios of Mater Dei Radio in Portland, Oregon. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through MaterDayRadio.com or the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.